Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you. And, and Phil, I guess this we're going to call this the Sweet and Sour podcast uh, today. Yeah, um, I mean, it's also going to be the two-drink minimum podcast, but, you know, yes. Yeah, I, I broke out the heavy stuff, the Revolver Blood and Honeys. You know, it's a, it's got like 7% alcohol, so... Um, going to get through a few of these it's you know it, it's tough phil because uh, so we're recording this saturday night so um the wound is still fresh for us but it's tough because it, it, there's so many good things i want to talk about marquette from this week but the wisconsin wound is so fresh it's hard to like not be in a in a crappy mood so i mean if you're listening to this sunday a maybe the big 10 title game is over maybe by then it could be uh, but by monday for that, sure but yeah, so but also by Sunday maybe uh, the the wounds would have maybe healed a little bit. But I think when you look back at the week of, as a whole, Phil, it was a good week for Marquette overall. It's just when you lose to your rival at home, there's a stinging thing that you can't get over that almost makes you forget that great thing that happened earlier in the week. Yeah, I mean the the challenge is that it really like we were within a hair's breadth of being two and zero this week and most likely ranked on Tuesday. Right. I mean, yes, like with that, like that close. And then to have that kind of snatched away um, by just I'm going to go on record and say, I don't think Wisconsin is very good. They played really well and made a ton of shots in this game. I just think overall they're not very good. So that that's the thing that really sticks in my craw after after today is like nine times out of ten Marquette's going to win that game. And the fact that they didn't, yeah, just like burns. I, I know that could just comes off as sour grapes, but whatever. I think anybody listening to this podcast is on our side anyway, right? So, like, um, <laughs> shouts Wisconsin- to the weird Wisconsin people that are listening to us on this podcast. Yeah, like, uh, welcome to the Wisconsin hate listeners. Uh, Wisconsin shot lights out, like absolutely out of their minds shooting, and I don't think it was because of bad defense from Marquette either. Right. It'd be, it would be one thing if if Wisconsin played well offensively because Marquette gave if Marquette gave like a half-ass effort defensively, but I don't think that was the case at all. Uh, I mean, Chucky Hepburn was hitting some fall-away Kobe threes in that game that just makes you say, oh my god, like how did he hit that? Um, I, like I know, like thing is, if Marquette had came, come all the way back in one Obviously, the asterisk from the UW side would have been, well, you only won because Hepburn got hurt. But to me, him getting hurt balanced out his ridiculous shooting in the first half. So that was like the the equalizer, I guess. Right. Um, I mean, let's uh, let's. He only missed one three. He went five for six from three. In three of those threes, well, I should say two of those threes were thirty-five footers falling away with Oso's hand in his face. Like yeah. that it like you cannot guard luck. That's ridiculous that those th- those shots went in. Yeah, it was uh 
sickening to watch. But let's not let's not act like Marquette played a perfect game because there, there were flaws, and we'll touch on those. But yeah, so today's show we're gonna we're gonna like look at what happened in the Wisconsin loss a little bit, maybe stew over it a little. But also we do want to we're not gonna not talk about the Baylor game, which was. I would say the best game of the Shaka era so far, all things considered. Yes. Great win. We're going to touch on that. And we'll look at the week to come uh, with North Carolina Central and another rival, Notre Dame, coming up on Sunday, December 11th. But, yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of start there, Phil. Like, it's not that I don't think Marquette played terrible, but they didn't play flawless either. There there were some mistakes here, some mistakes there, some some things you're going to regret when you're looking at the film this week. But um, mostly you just got to say Wisconsin hit some incredibly tough shots, especially Hepburn. And that was just what was frustrating. Like, where do you want to start on, on the loss to Wisconsin, Phil? Like, what, what stick stuck out to you? Because I, I know you were in the building for the game. Yeah, well, I, first of all, it was great to, the like, the, first of all, there were not as many Badger fans as I was anticipating, which was great to see. I think it was probably 65-35. Um, you know, still too many, or, but yeah. Still too many. Um, and Quite frankly, the most obnoxious Wisconsin fans I've ever seen in my life uh, were in my section. So, I mean, I had a great time. Um, it, but it was a good lesson because I continued to tell No Red for Owen during throughout the game, those are the people you don't want to be. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, the energy was back in the building. It was fantastic. It was even bigger energy than that Baylor game. Which, you know, obviously it's a rivalry game, so you're going to have some, some juice anyway. But maybe there's a little bit of like the – now, obviously they lost. But I think the fan base is starting to say, hey, maybe we got something here. So that's, that's a positive to take away. But uh, what stuck out to me is, is that for as much energy that, that the team came out with in the first half of the Baylor game, it was almost the inverse – in the first half of the Wisconsin game. Again, to your point, not that, that Marquette played particularly bad, but they just seemed a step slow or a step less energetic than they could be, which was odd given the fact that they were that they were facing a rival. And and I think that just that really allowed Wisconsin to build a, a lead that ultimately Marquette could not fully you know, overcome. Yeah, when you're yeah, what was an eleven point deficit at the half? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just that's a big hole to uh, dig yourself. I think in at one point Marquette to... was down sixteen with like yeah th- yeah they started like a five to go over or the second half like that yeah. yeah so they were able to claw all the way all the way back. So I mean, they, that's the thing for me. There there are thing positive things to take away too. Like I thought Cam Jones played incredible. Yes. Um, Cam had a great game, both shooting from the outside and getting to the basket, which is something we talked about in the preseason, Phil, that Shaka had been challenging him. Get to the basket, get fouled, get free throws, and he shot free throws in this game, and he made them. And, and I thought he was at his best. Like, some of those moonshots that people hated, uh, that have people have seen that on film, so Wisconsin was out there guarding it. And there were multiple times in that game where Cam – had the little head fake on the the long ball, and that allowed him to get his defender in the air and drive to the basket. So maybe some of those long balls, maybe he was playing the long game and opening the lane for himself in later games. But um, yeah, I thought Cam played outstanding. Uh, that that was my that's my big positive takeaway from the Wisconsin game is the continued evolution of Cam Jones as a scorer. Uh, he is getting to the to be the guy that 
Shaka wants him to be, both not a guy who can not only fill it up from the outside, but who can get in the lane and get a tough bucket when you really need one. And I, I, I love that from Cam Jones on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he made it very hard to not have him on the court. And quite frankly, you know, and he played 40 of 45 minutes. So it was basically like Shaka was stealing minutes here and there from Cam Jones. And you didn't notice any any real defense de- deficiencies on the defensive end. So, you know, really great performance from Cam. Um, you know, Oso Iguodaro played 39 minutes. Um you know, and, and got some good, you know, maybe not a lot of minutes, but quality minutes out of Chase Ross and Sean Jones. I mean, we talked about them a little bit last last week, but they're really starting to, to round into the point where it's like, hey, get, give them 10, 15, 20 minutes a game and they'll do something with it, right? They're, they're definitely not going to... They're definitely not going to hurt you per se, other than an occasional, you know, freshman mistake here or there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a it's kind of a crazy result when you consider, even though, you know, Wisconsin was like out of their head in the first half from a shooting percent shooting percentage perspective. Um, Marquette shot better from three and better from the free throw line than Wisconsin for the game overall and still lost. It's just, it's, it's just a crazy outcome to me. Yeah. What, um, if you're going to tell any, any regrets from the Marquette side, like granted we're, we're trying to like maybe coming off as apologists a little bit. And we are trying to stay positive because we don't, I don't think Marquette played terribly in the game, but again, they did not play flawlessly in the game. What do you think is the biggest regret uh, as maybe they look at film this week and say, we could have done this better and won the game. I mean, I, I would say the most obvious thing is I, I hate cause he's been doing so great, but like Omax prospers, like he just had some great looks and and hits any of them any of them and and we win in regulation right one from seven for three um you know and quite frankly a couple of those those three balls he could have turned into drives especially late in the game uh when when Crowell and uh, Wall were were in foul trouble stuff like that so I think that's one thing Uh, and the other thing is is the defensive rebounding um I think the the rebounding of last year reared its ugly head a little bit. Um, you know, especially late in the second half, it, it wor- the one possession worked out okay because Marquette ultimately got the ball because Wisconsin didn't get a bucket. But I think at one point yeah. Wisconsin got something like four offensive rebounds in a row. I think yeah, they had like seriously like a a minute, maybe minute and fifteen second long possession because they had so many mm-hmm. rebounds. And they and they got them they got they got them all in like the 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 last minute because they only had ten offensive rebounds on the whole game but they had four or five in that one possession and and again it worked out but you know I I just think there there's I'm I'm hopeful that they're learning from these things but if you look at the Purdue game if you look at the Mississippi State game if you look at the Wisconsin game if Marquette gives up a lead and is and is trailing late they don't seem to have that killer instinct or killer ability to come out and close a game shut the door on a team get the lead and hold the lead and and that may be a a a fact of of them being such a young team but i think that is a challenge they're going to continue to face is you know if we're not up by 15 late in a game will they be able to close out a game yeah, and 
I, I don't want to like put it all on the way the game ended, but I think it'd be remiss if we didn't at least chat about the final plays because yeah, they were already losing at that point. But uh, especially the three, one when Marquette was down two with three point yeah. five seconds left, because let me tell you, even in the moment, there was a lot of WTF going on, like in the stadium. Like, what was that? Yeah, I, I you know, I. Again, a three wins you the game, and you've got some long-range shooters on that team. And three and a half seconds, I think, is plenty of time. You don't need to and a throw the hell. Yeah, it, you don't need to throw the hell mary and hope uh, for a Leitner. You know, you just you can throw it. I wouldn't like throw it like right in front of the 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 baseline, but you could throw it like past the free throw line. And if you got a, if they got quick enough guards that you they can get across mid court and either get a look for themselves or find an open guy even if it is a 30 footer it's a better it's a better chance than what you were giving yourself with that again it, it was a, like a football on Hail Mary and there was no Christian Leitner down there to come down with it um right well and like, like I get I get the second one right you're down three 2.4 seconds you have no timeouts Wisconsin's probably gonna foul you if you get anywhere you know anywhere close to to you know um, possessing and 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 not shooting, so that one I get. But the one three and a half seconds is a lifetime in college basketball. I don't I don't understand why you don't, you know, inbound to say a Tyler Kolick in the backcourt. You know, not like you said, not in the baseline, and then have Tyler, you know, um, you know, distribute to one of the shooters on the on the floor somewhere and get a better look. Right, I didn't understand Tyler inbounding, especially against a yeah. you know a seven foot Crowell. I know he's moving on the baseline, um, and what was even crazier on that on that first inbound play, David Joplin set the screen on Crowell when when uh, Tyler Kolick ran the baseline. So you are literally taking your your you know by percentage your your second best three point shooter, you know off 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 the you know off the chessboard so to speak um, yeah and sometimes do, uh, teams run that play hoping to like get a charge right like uh, uh, like draw a foul there and like maybe I don't know if that's what they were necessarily <laughs> trying to do there but um, yeah I, I, I did not love the end of possession but again there were three four five other possessions in the last few minutes of regulation and in overtime that may be more regrettable. You, you touched on Omax, and again, he's been very good this year, but there's no doubt there are some shots in that game he wants back. Um, there, he had a few open looks from three that, yeah, regrettable. Didn't they didn't go down? But um, again, he not to hammer on him too much because he he has been good overall, especially uh, on the defensive end of the floor, and um, especially when he's at the top of the the press, uh, the full court press. He, he's been good, but had a rough one today. But yeah, uh, it, it, it always stings when you lose to Wisconsin in your own building, especially when you have it. It's it's tough because Marquette is really just a few plays here and there from being undefeated this season. Right. Um, every every game they've lost, they've been right in it at the very end um, or, or had at least a moment where you really thought they had it won. Especially, you know, they, they – were in it all up until like maybe a few minutes to go in the Purdue game at their place. Purdue's still one of the top teams in the country. Uh, you had a chance late against Mississippi State, weren't able to close that one out. 
and then you uh, took a very late lead against Wisconsin and were, just weren't able to get over the top, uh, and then you, lo you lose it in overtime. So, yes, things to lose, but um, again, overall, it, it was not a terrible week because <laughs> one of the best wins of, uh, certainly the best win of this season and maybe the best win of the Shaka era was uh, Tuesday uh, uh, against Baylor. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, because uh, as much as you want to stew on that one, you got to sing some praises for this team for just absolutely blitzing one of the best teams in the country earlier this week. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean it, it was again. It was it was shocking the difference between you know the the first half against Baylor and the first half against um, against Wisconsin, right? Just in terms of going from you know being blitzed and and blitzing someone else. That that. Uh, um, that that Baylor game was was crazy and and Marquette you know in the first half of that Baylor game Marquette was not shooting well from 3 like at all that was built entirely on drives to the hoop but you know buckets inside the three point arc turning Baylor over being aggressive on defense i think they had 16 turnovers in the first in the first half which i i think the the only other uh, the only other time they had more than 16 turnovers was 17 in an entire game previously so you know so um you know Marquette's defense and offense showed up in that Baylor game and and it it, it created just some some electric energy in the building and it was it, it is it was hands down the most like shaka basketball i've seen Marquette play you know, in yeah, the, I, is, since he's been here, I think you hit on the head there. Like that is like in a perfect world, what Shaka wants his team to look like on any given night is just relentless pressure defensively. And Baylor was just never able to recover. Like Baylor was just, I think once you got 10 minutes in, Baylor was just in shock and was never going to wake up for, at like what they were seeing. Like, I, like, I can't believe this team is coming at us like this. And at that point they were drowning in it. And, there was no coming back from it. They, um, yeah, the uh, Baylor ended up having 20 turnovers in the game. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, and like Marquette did just executed so well offensively. They got to the bucket almost any time they wanted. Um, they, yeah, they, they, they started slow from three. They finished 12 to 25 from three on the night. They, shot up like 25 points on Ken Palm by yeah. night's end. They I, they were in the fifth. Uh, yeah, they were like 40. Yeah, they were in the 50s, and they finished like 33 at the end of the night. See, at the time we're recording this on Saturday evening, Marquette is what on Ken Palm? 38. 38. So they're still in the top 40 nationally on Ken Palm, but heavily buoyed by that lopsided performance, beating Baylor by 26 points. And that's a win that is going to age beautifully. I mean, that's going to be like a fine wine at the end of the season when Baylor is one of the top, if not the top team in the big 12, uh, they are a very good team. They just didn't show it that night. Milwaukee's because they went out later the, this week, later, a few days later and beat, beat Gonzaga. Right. So yep. they may, they may still be in the top 10, uh, when the new poll comes out on uh, Monday. So appreciate Baylor doing that. Hopefully they continue doing that all season long. If they want to go undefeated for the rest of the regular season, that'd be just fine with me. Yeah, not gonna, not gonna be mad about it. Um, were there any individual performances that really jumped out to you in the Baylor game, Phil? Uh, 
I mean, obviously, I mean, if if we're gonna bag on on Omax's shooting performance in the Wisconsin game, we got to call him out for just between the you know we talked about in the Chicago State game, but it's Chicago State. Um, but but his performance in the Baylor game was again, uh, I would say electric, and and the freshman again, um, stepping up, getting minutes, doing you know making plays, Chase Ross's you know open court pocket picking and and dunk was you know just a complete energy boost sean jones is is coming in and providing you know spot minutes and that sort of thing and then you know my my personal favorite the jop wagon was uh was was quite quite successful so it's you know it's interesting to see uh, again where this roster is developing not only in this year but in light of next year right we're starting to see freshmen are are starting to do things that are going to lead to next year's success. So not only is this year good, but we're setting a foundation for for a really great next year as well, which is just, you know, it it's interesting to see. I mean, what what stood out to you from the Baylor game? It's uh, the number one thing is just the to bring that type of defensive energy from start to finish against the top team and uh to just the total team effort, the total team focus. And it's one of those games that, you know, it's asking a lot, but you're like, can we do this every night? Like, right. cause the, the, the defensive effort is repeatable. Like you can do that every night. Maybe your shooting isn't there some nights. Um, you know, maybe you don't have the same energy as far as every man on the team having the same energy every night. But uh, it, it is like the, to, give that kind of effort defensively is mostly repeatable. Cause if you, if you want, it's like you get there and do I want to do this? Do I want to defend like this? And if the answer is yes, you can bring that almost every night. And that's going to keep Marquette in a lot of games this year, uh, as they go through Big East play and try to build a tournament resume. I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to like, as we maybe get through the end of next week, once we get past Notre Dame game, if people still are talking about Marquette as a tournament team, because they were all about it after the Baylor win, like, oh, yeah, this is definitely an underrated team, sleeper team, a, a team that should be ranked, a team that might have – that should make the tournament. I wonder if they would still feel that way after what happened against Wisconsin. Maybe it hasn't changed too much, but as we get deeper and deeper and get a bigger sample size, let's see if they – if nationally still people think this is a tournament team. I hope it is. I think it can be. But um, it's – the question for me is, is – that effort we saw against Baylor repeatable. And I think it mostly is because like, it's not like the effort wasn't there against Wisconsin. It just maybe wasn't as intense and maybe not as quite as successful due to the way Wisconsin plays. Like, they don't want to speed up at all, right? They, they right. want to slow it down and play in the 50s or 60s. And uh, maybe that's why Marquette was not able to dictate the pace of that game quite as much as they were uh, the Baylor game. It's just... Shaka has at least uh, installed his culture with these young guys, almost all of whom, perhaps literally all of whom, will be back next year. Uh, we, it's, I think the scholarship chart, they're technically one over for next year, so we'll see how that works out. But uh, he, and there was a great article by Brian Hamilton on The Athletic this week talking about that, about how Shaka's strength is building off three- and four-year players, not one-and-done guys. And I think he has he is building a culture with the guys he has here and guys that are going to be back next year, maybe even the year after that. Right. Right. And in it, you know, and 
and it's about bringing in more talent, building them into the to the structure of the organization. And you can see the style and and look at the the coachability, right? Like, let's call out Cam Jones as an example. Um, you know, we we lamented a little bit, um, maybe overly so. You know, some of the shot selection earlier in the season. And, and Shaka even called him out in public as as well as, you know, I'm sure coached him up in the background, even yanked him out of, was it the Mississippi State game that he that he yanked him out, you know, for a little bit after some, you know, logo-type shots. Um, and, and look at what Cam did in the Wisconsin game as well as, as the Baylor game, right? Played under control, got to the hoop, made, you know, took reasonable threes, stuff like that. So... If you've got players buying into this, I think, again, the future is bright. There's a lot of opportunities uh, for this team to be successful. So I don't think I, – I don't – I'm going to say my opinion of this team for the season as a whole has not changed any since, you know, even even with this week, right? Like this team I think is is – this week is an exact reflection of – Look, the ceiling is winning an NCAA tournament game. The floor is probably a deep run in the NIT, right? And it's it's a young team. You're going to have inconsistencies. You're going to have, you know, we're, you're going to have one or two losses where you're like, oh, man, I just, we were a player or two away. Um, and you're going to have some really highlight real wins like you got against Baylor, right? Nobody expected us to be, you know, we were talking about Baylor, you know, being within one or two possessions of Baylor, let, let alone blowing, you know, basically the game being locked out with eight minutes to go. Um, so I don't think anything changes about this team or the way I feel about this team, you know, in a good or a bad way. I'm still cautiously optimistic that this is a tournament team. Does does anything change for you after this week? Uh, I'm a little higher on them, honestly, overall, that I, I think a because uh, entering this week, they really didn't have a great win to really hang your hat on. Now they have one that like I, the one that I didn't expect. I was I was hoping maybe like Wisconsin at home would be their best win. But now they didn't get that one, but they did get Baylor. And so that's a win that's going to age very well. The question is, you're going to need more than that. You're going to need a little bit more, and like a chance at Notre Dame on Sunday is on Sunday the 11th is going to be one of those. And then you got to do some damage in the Big East. So, like I, I can see a path to getting to the tournament where I wasn't 100% certain on that before this week. So I am honestly overall a little higher on this team than I was say this past Monday. So overall, like what I see, hated losing Wisconsin, of course. But I, I think the defense is going to be there for the most part every night. Is it going to be as great as it was against Baylor every night? No. But I, I hope there is not going to be a night where the defense is just a total disaster. Like like totally lost, giving up easy looks, losing their man, not giving effort. I just don't think that's going to happen with a with with this team that Shock is building that the team that Shaka has. And I, I think he's installed his culture of defense. And, you know, maybe there will be some nights where, like, maybe uh, uh, nights where maybe you, you've you played your second game in four days or, you know, two road games in a row or whatever it is. Uh, maybe you've dealing with some injuries. Maybe there are some, will be some nights where there are some reasons where the defense isn't quite as elite as you want it to be. But I, I think the willingness to defend 
and the willingness to set the tone on the defensive end and convert it into easy buckets is going to be there in most nights. And plus, what we're seeing from the Big East so far, yeah. Um, I mean, it, Marquette still has the best win in the Big East right now, right? Like, by far. Nobody else got one. Nobody else got one over the past couple days that I missed. No. That that that's better. Um. Yeah. Look, Creighton's good. Uh, UConn's, UConn's good. good. Xavier's all right. Uh, Villanova just got Whitmore back. He looks like he will make an impact. We'll see what they look like if and when they get Justin Moore and what version of Justin Moore they get. But. Is there a team in the Big East that scares me so much that I don't think Marquette can beat them? No, not really. Uh, now, yeah, there are teams that are better and teams that I think Marquette will certainly be an underdog against when they play them, especially on the road. But I think almost every team that Marquette plays when the, in the Big East, when they get them at home, you should enter that game thinking you can win it. Right. Right, like, right. yeah. I'm well, not saying they're going to go undefeated at home in the Big East, but – you can realistically hope that you have a shot to do that. And right. then if if you can get, say, nine wins at home and maybe steal a couple on the road, you've got a nice record in the Big East, I think. Yeah. The question will that be enough to get you in the tournament? Well, well and, and to be fair to you, this is not prepped. It's something that just come, came to my mind. So Marquette is 6-3. and three. They are going to play a total of 31 games this season. Do you think Marquette can get to 20 wins? Hmm. So, see, North Carolina, yes, that's seven. Yep. And then can you get Notre Dame to get eight and then get 12 Big East wins? Yeah, I think they can. Like, if I have to place a yes-no bet right now, I, I, I'd I, lean no. Like, I think it might be 18-19. But, yeah, they can get to 20. I think they could. I mean, 20, yeah, I think it'll be- 20 is a bit of a, like... I don't think it's like an official like you're in the tournament metric. Like somebody would have to go back and look like how many 21 teams have been left out of the tournament. But like yeah. that feels like a reasonable approximation for are you on the right side of the bubble, you know, come Selection Sunday. Do you, yeah, you, you feel like those teams wins? that are on the bubble, like you feel like those teams that are on the bubble when you include their conference tournament records, they're always looking at something like 18 and 14 or 19 and 12 or – 17 and 15, 17 and uh, 14, something like that, right? Like those are what those bubble records tend to look like as far as the the power conference teams. Right. I mean, so at, at the end of the day, and I think what I'm looking at is I do think we can win our last two non-conference games. I, you know, North Carolina Central, I mean, that that should be a pretty straightforward win for this team. I could see struggles with energy early given what happened with Wisconsin and it's a couple of days later. Um, but then you got Notre Dame. I don't know that, you know, Notre Dame is, is not as good as Wisconsin. Uh, so, you know, and I, again, I don't think Wisconsin's that great either. So we should be able to go on the road and beat Notre Dame. You would hope, you know, and then, then it's conference season. And I think the big thing for me is not only is, Marquette may be a little better than I anticipated. Um, again, they're still going to have that high variability due to youth, but the Big East, certain teams especially, are much worse than I thought. Right? Like I, if if I'm if I'm being honest, I think Marquette could. I'm not calling it, but could get sweeps against 
you know, Seton Hall, Providence. Um, God help us, we better get sweeps against Georgetown because, you know, Patrick Ewing's just out here with a flamethrower <laughs> on his roster, right? He is begging to get fired. Um, you know, DePaul should be swept. Um, so right there is, you know, the, that four, those four teams is, is eight wins. Go find four others, right? And, and that gets you to a, a 12 and eight conference record. Yeah, I, I like double digits certainly seems achievable and seems on the low end to me, honestly. Uh, I, I think below double digits in the Big East would kind of be disappointing right now based on what we're kind of seeing right now in the Big East. But, yeah, I, I the Big East is not, yeah, it, it, it's not going to, well, the thing is it's going to be a fight every night, but I, I think Marquette should be on the plus like the higher end uh, like the the top half of the big east when it comes to all the teams battling in the middle uh to be in that upper half of the league and yeah if i had to place a bet creighton's probably going to win it win the league with yukon maybe nipping at their heels but those are both teams marquette can beat uh particularly when they get them at home Right. So yeah, I think they'll. I think Marquette will be in the mix because, as I kind of feel like I'm repeating myself at this point, their defense will have them in those games. It's going to be a matter of if they execute late and if they're uh, if that alpha guy emerges to be the go-to scorer late in games. Cam Jones is starting to have that look. Right. He, right. He, the confidence with which he drives to the basket makes me think he could be that guy. Joplin can be that guy on occasion, and then there can also be nights when maybe he kind of fades and you're just wondering where his buckets are. Tyler Kolick is a guy who can create for the other guys, but I don't know if he's quite the guy who's going to hit that shot for you. Right. Um, but, yeah, Marquette will be competitive, and I, I think they got an opportunity this week to close regular se- close the regular season strong. I don't want to overlook North Carolina Central because they're not like they're, – they're far from Marquette's worst by opponent, but – Still a game you should win. They're 220 in Ken Palm. Uh, their offense and defense are both over 200 on in the, as far as the national rankings uh, in efficiency. They look at who's the best team they've played. They opened with Virginia. They lost them by double digits. We have a common opponent. Uh, they, we've both played Radford. They oh. lost to Radford uh, on December 1st on a two-point loss. Um, Transitive yeah, property. It, we should win by 13. It, Exactly, exactly. That, that's one that, you know, again, they they do have a good coach. Uh, Lavelle Moten is a pretty respected guy who's doing a really good job there. And they could be a team that could get to the tournament by winning their league. Um, let's see, what are their, their projected? Oh, their projected record in the league isn't as good as I thought. It's projected at 9-5, and five, but um, they have gotten to the tournament before out of that conference. They play in the MEAC. But again, it, not to break it down too much, Phil, that's a what I like to call the no-excuses game. You win it. Right. right, like yeah, yeah. You respect your opponent. I I listened to Shaka's um, uh, radio show with Jen Latta this week, and he was uh, telling a good story about how uh, Jeff Van Gundy was with the team last week, and he told them about what's called appropriate fear, which is uh, like not playing scared or not being afraid, but being aware that you have to handle your business or else it could cost your team, right? It's that they, he said it's a Greg Popovich term is appropriate fear, the appropriate level of fear, just not you're playing scared, but you know, you got to execute and you got to do your job or things go poorly. And that's what maybe I'm talking about with this North Carolina central game. 
you know you should win it. You should win it comfortably. But treat it with the proper amount of respect that you got to play the game well to make sure you take care of business and don't let a disaster happen. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Win the game and, and, uh, in advance, right. Just, just handle your business. And that's, and that's a question of maturity, right? Um, you know, is this team maturing enough to be able to, you know, go out and do the things that they're supposed to do? I think they will. Uh, and let's hope for no, you know, real relapse from, uh, or, or significantly negative impact from this, this Wisconsin experience. Yeah, I, I don't know what kind of crowd I would expect on a Tuesday night against North Carolina Central, but probably the next raucous crowd will be the home game against Creighton. And to Marquette's credit, after the Baylor game, they did put a little flash sale out there to try to boost attendance for the Creighton game on the 16th. So hopefully that pays dividends for them and that place is full for the first Big East game. But before we get to that one, we have Sunday the 11th against Notre Dame. Uh, good to see them back on the schedule this year. I love the way the rivalries are set up. So you're hosting the Badgers one year and visiting Notre Dame, and then it reverses the next year. You're going to Madison, and then the Irish come to Milwaukee. Um, Notre Dame, not one of the – I mean, they're probably one of the better teams, maybe not like championship-level teams in the ACC, but a decent – probably a top-half team in the ACC, I would guess. Uh, the ACC maybe not – the dominant conference, I mean, it's good, don't get me wrong, but it's not like there's seven, eight, nine tournament teams in the ACC right now. North Carolina is great, although they've had their struggles. Duke is very good. After that, Florida State's been off to a rough start this year. Well, what uh, about I, Pittsburgh? Is Pittsburgh any good? Yeah, what we, oh man. Poor, Poor Greg. Elliott. No, I hate that he's there now, but. Um, but honestly, Notre Dame may think they did go out and lose to Syracuse in their ACC opener, and I'm not sure how good Syracuse is this year. But um, Notre Dame, they do play at a slower pace. Uh, they are also going to want to like drag Marquette down into the muck and try to play this game in the 60s. They uh, their offense is actually rated pretty efficiently, as a lot of slower paced teams tend to be uh, in the power five power conferences. I should say uh, their offense is rated 31st on Ken Palm. Their defense not as great, rated 147th on Ken Palm. Give up a lot of easy buckets. Their two point percentage defense is 223rd in the country. So that kind of sends a red flag to me, Phil. Maybe this is a big Oso game. Yep. Maybe. Or this, Cam maybe going to the rim. Cam going to the rim. Omax is great at the rim, too. Like, yep. let's not forget about Omax. So, uh, like, I think this is maybe a chance. Now, I'm not saying you don't want to be shooting threes against Notre Dame because, of course you do. Their three-point percentage defense isn't that great either. It's rated 187th in the country. Uh, so, Marquette should be able to score some points to get this Notre Dame team. Maybe, like, as far as, like, relative to the tempo. I'm not saying they're going to score a bunch of buckets and play very fast and get into the 80s or 90s. But I, I think – once their offense gets going, Marquette should be able to get buckets against this Notre Dame defense. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's going to be interesting because I don't, you know, Notre Dame's offense is, is, is defense is decent. Um, you know, it's going to be a question of, of will Marquette turn Notre Dame over, right? Like if Notre Dame is able to take, you know, 28 seconds off the shot clock, whether they make a bucket or not, um, you know, and grind this into a, you know, I don't know, a 65 possession game. Um, that's, that's where, you know, Notre Dame will, will keep this game in reach. If Marquette, if, if we can get north of 70 possessions in this game, 
I think I think Marquette probably wins going away, um, because Notre Dame just cannot. Not you know the offense might be def- decent, but the defense will not hold up against that kind of pressure, right? If Marquette gets a bunch of looks, um, they're they're going to score enough points to outpace Notre Dame's very slow offense. Is this Ken Palm page accurate? Does Notre Dame really only play six guys? Is I'm looking, that at, I'm at, the looking at their. Oh, I'm wow. looking at their like. I'm looking at their like guys and their minutes and their numbers on Ken Palm. They're only. Six guys listed with any significant minutes. There's one guy at the very end, Marcus Hammond, who's got less than six percent oh. of the team's minutes. No, that's Seems accurate. Like it, so uh, run them, yeah. just run them, yeah. right? Run the heck out of them. So yeah, uh, not a particularly deep team then, Notre Dame. So yeah, run them ragged and see if you can get into their bench, a bench they must not trust a whole lot or else that some of those guys would be playing a little bit more so depth should be on Marquette's side uh, in this one and I, maybe when you play slower you can play guys 40 minutes <laughs> they're not running as much but um, yeah I was just surprised scrolling Notre Dame's Ken Palm page and looking at the guys they have I knew who J.J. Starling was he was at Lalamere last year he was a uh, four or five star he wasn't a five star he was like a top 50 guy he was a very good recruit but um, he looks like he's like one of their more official or he, he Maybe not their most efficient player, but he's one of their top offensive options. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised to see that number. Look, only six guys who play significant minutes for Notre Dame. I, I mean, Notre Dame's defense, like, is kind of atrocious. They're, they're, on Ken Palm, there are a lot of red numbers on the on the defensive end. Yes, Notre Dame's offense is, is solid. So, you know, it's going to be very – it's going to be like – Strength on strength and weakness on weakness, right? Or no, yeah. or it's going to be strength on weakness and weakness on strength. <laughs> you know, yeah, they are, yeah, dead last in the country on turnover percentage on defense. Yeah, Marquette should not turn the ball over at all. Should be a good game for Tyler Kolick then, honestly. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, they're, if they're not if they're not going to pressure Tyler Kolick, that allows him to go to work. Yeah. Um, and create for other guys. So maybe a big Colette game, maybe a big Oso game, maybe a Notre Dame win. I, I am, again, I, I'm, I'm higher on this team than I was on Monday, like I said, and I, I like their chances to go into South Bend and win. I really do. Ken Palm slightly does as well. Ken Palm has it as a toss up, literally 50, 50, uh, has it projected as a Marquette one point win at the moment for what it's worth. So toss up game, I am counting on Marquette to bring that defensive effort, and I, I think they will be able to attack Notre Dame's defense. And so I, I think they get two wins this week, Phil. And, I, uh, I, I think too. that would give them some nice nice momentum heading into Big East play, uh, which will open on the 16th against Creighton. Yes, yeah. So I, I did want to revisit one question that I thought of before we went into the week ahead. Um, sure. Are a... Uh, this I guess I'll ask the question this way: Is anyone other than Cam taking a game-winning shot? Like, are we drawing up? Is is Cam Jones turned into if we need to get a bucket with four seconds left in the half court? Is Cam Jones the answer every time at this point? Uh, like I wouldn't go that far. I mean, like I'm comfortable with Cam being the guy for if that's kind of what you're getting at. But um, I wouldn't say he's your only guy. You know, I. Like if Joplin's got an open look, I would love for him to shoot. Well, it, well right. I'm not. I'm not he, saying. He, I, yeah, I'm not. He's saying not he's a guy that. Um, yeah, he's not a guy who 
Now, like, yeah, is, is Cam option A more often than not? Probably so. Just because, yeah, he's got incredible range, which we all know, <laughs> and now he's showing that ability to get into the lane and hit really tough shots and get fouled. Um, but I, I still think that when it, the game is on the line late, I think the ball is going to be in Kolick's hands, and it's going to be on him to find the right guy. And maybe it is Cam a lot of times, but... Uh, they got it to they got it to Oso late in the game on Saturday, and he tied the game with a dunk to beat to. That was a thing uh, of beauty. Overtime. Holy yeah. crow! Oh man! I mean, well, and, and and maybe that's a good point. Maybe it is like uh, you know we often think of like all right, who's the man, and they're gonna run some sort of ISO, you know, a la Vanderblue against Davidson, right? Where they where they they run something that it's this person is going to score where really the who's the man for Marquette is whatever Tyler Cola can find in in whatever play they run. Yeah, I, I, I like having options like that. And um, yeah, there were, yeah, there were, there were opportunities in that Wisconsin game that he did find Omax for a couple and the shots just didn't fall. Um, but I, I, Garrett, it didn't work out on uh, on Saturday, but I, I I do trust Kolek to make the right read when the game's on the line to find the guy who has the best path to the basket and the best look, and then hopefully that guy has the confidence to take that shot and hit it. And but yeah, I Cam is emerging as like when I like it, the next time it's going to be late in the game and Marquette needs a bucket to either tie or take the lead. I'm probably going into a lot of those situations thinking, man, I hope they have something for Cam here. Cause right. Right. He, he he is that guy, uh, and he he has that swagger. He has that confidence, and now he has he's adding the versatility to his game that Shaka and really all of us ha- have kind of hoped to see. Yes, it's great that he can bombs he can bomb away from three, but you also want him to be able to go to the basket, get fouled, get three point plays the old fashioned way, and he can do that now, and he's showing that. So. Yes, Cam is emerging as the guy who I want taking the big shot late in the game, but I still want Joplin to be that guy. And yeah. Oso, when you can get it to him in the right spot, he's just so versatile and dynamic with the way he can handle the ball and can get those scoop layups. I like having Oso in the right spot too. So oh, Marquette I... has options, but yeah, as, as far as like that unstoppable force late in the game, maybe they don't have that guy, but... Um, I'm liking Cam to be heading down that road to being that alpha score late in the game. Yeah, I agree. And and the one thing I do want to call out, it, just because it popped in my head when you were talking about Oso in the right spots, my God, did he have a pretty reverse layup against uh, Wisconsin in the first half today. Holy cow, I didn't – like, I, that's the thing about Oso is he finds new ways to surprise with the skills he has. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I do wish he had like a five or ten foot jump shot. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a bit of a hole. We talked about it last week, and and what his NBA it's, potential it's, is. Yeah, it's it's the one thing NBA scouts want to see before they seriously start taking about taking him. Is mm-hmm. Like, can can you hit a jump shot? And right. I don't think he's shown that yet. And maybe that's something he can add to his game over the next year. And maybe he can be a legit pro spot pro prospect a year from now. But. Um, he's got just about everything else, honestly, because, yeah, he's creative around the rim. 
he is an excellent passer for a big man. He's got good vision. Like we've seen multiple times this year where he's made a pretty bounce pass to a guy cutting to the basket. Um, his defense is getting better all the time. He's a shot blocker. Uh, I, I think he's got instinct, good instincts when it comes to rebounding and it's getting better. Yeah, he's got almost the full bag when it comes to what you want out of a 6'10", 6'11", guy as a pro. He just doesn't quite have the range uh, that I think you need to have to be a legit NBA player right. uh, at, at his size. But he's getting there. He, yep. He's coming along. And I, I know he's going to put in the work, whatever Shaka demands of him. So I love you. I love what I'm seeing from Oso this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, the fu- again, the future even in this season is bright. Yeah, it. this loss against Wisconsin is tough. Um, but it should not overshadow the, the tremendous win against Baylor and and where this this team could go. I mean, it does, at a minimum, it should not change how we feel about this season and where the, the, the ceiling and floor are. And it's, and it's good to, you know, it's good to be back to enjoyable basketball. I'll keep yeah, saying I- that. Like, we may lose tough games, but, like, it's entertaining as hell, which is something totally different than the previous regime. Yeah, like I think that's something we've said many times before. We want you to be good, but if you're not going to be good, at least be interesting. Mm-hmm. But this team this team could actually be both good and interesting. Uh like even Correct. when they lose, I am entertained. Um and I I was entertained on Saturday. Didn't get the win, but I I do enjoy watching this team play basketball and I am looking forward to watching them on Tuesday and I am looking forward to watching them against Notre Dame on Sunday and as we get into Big East play as well. So, and and again, to repeat the point that you kind of touched on there, I am higher on this team than I was a week ago. Yes, disappointed in losing Saturday, but the win over Baylor and the positives I took away from that game and just the week as a whole, overall, it was a net positive for the week for me. Obviously, you would have loved to have them. Otherwise, you would love to have them both because then we would be just busting on this podcast. We would be just oh, beaming, my God. talking about can they win the Big East Championship? Uh, you know, can they make a deep run? Of the, you know, for what it's worth, I, I, I did peak like before the season. Marquette was like um, plus 8,500 to win the Big East. For those who don't speak gambling, that means if you were to bet $100, that would return. Eight thousand five hundred. If you bet Marquette, so not very likely. Yes, correct. So that that those are not good odds. Uh, uh, Before the Wisconsin game, they were plus twenty seven hundred. So, like that was cut like almost in a third from after the Baylor game. So, if you were to bet a hundred dollars to Marquette to win the Big East, it would return twenty seven hundred. Still not the favorite. I think I think the Creighton. I think for comparison, I think the favorite was Creighton. Well, I know the favorite was Creighton, but I think the number was plus four hundred. Right, so that gives you an idea on the percentages where Marquette stands. Still, a long shot, but I don't know. Maybe worth a sprinkle if you were so inclined. Hey, if but, you um, like turning, uh, taking risks to turn small amounts of money into large amounts of money, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, they are in a better spot now than they were a week ago. Is the point I'm trying to make, and hopefully that trend continues and they can take a great step forward by taking care of business against North Carolina Central and then taking advantage of a great opportunity to get a road win against an ACC team on Sunday against Notre Dame, which uh, a, a win that I think would also age fairly well. I don't think Notre Dame's going to finish in the top 
three of the ACC, but I mean, they could finish in the top right. five or six. Oh, by the uh, way, we should think... punish them for leaving the Big East. So, you know, right. we got that in mind. Exactly. There's always the ex Big East bad blood, you know, whenever you get a chance to. Pretty much everyone who did leave the Big East, by the way, would you say they're all worse off right now, basketball wise? Yeah. Right, they're all better off. They're all better off money wise. So, congrats on that. But well, um, you've sold your soul. Good job. Yeah, like Pittsburgh, total mess. Louisville currently is an abject disaster. Yeah. Um, uh, Notre Dame, I mean, they're about where they were, I suppose. My, uh, Mike not... Bray, king of just hammering checks. Yeah, just, I mean, they're just middle of the road and just keep renewing Mike Bray's contract every year. And then even going back further, I mean, Boston College, I mean, they're like, do they even play sports anymore? <laughs> Well, what about Syracuse? Like they, I mean, I mean, Syracuse is like running out the clock. Syracuse must be in a position where they're ready to move on from Jim Beheim, but, but they just like, want him to die at this point. Like their brother, like scared to move on from Jim Beheim as well because it might get worse. Because like I don't know what that program looks like without him, um, and like who you're going to recruit up there to Syracuse, New York, without him. Um, yeah, like. Who left the Big East basketball wise and is in better shape today? I don't on know court, that anymore. on the court. Now on yeah. the court, none. Like they're all worse, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I mean, like they Pittsburgh, they fired Jamie Dixon. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they, they they thought they could do better than Jamie Dixon, and then they're like, "Ooh, now I miss Jamie." <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I, this is getting a bit off topic, but how close? to moving to the ACC, did they also fire Jamie Dixon? Like, Jamie Dixon moved to the ACC, and then they fired him, what, two or three years later? Yeah, it was It was like those two moves happened, like, very close to the same time. I want to say, like, again, I don't want to feel like looking it up right now. I want to say, like, the move was announced, and, like, they uh, they let Jamie get Dixon go, and maybe there was, like, one year where they were still in the Big East without Jamie Dixon. Um, and then by the time like maybe two years later or so, then they officially made the move. Uh, Dixon was already gone. I feel like that's kind of about happened. I feel like those moves happened close to simultaneously though, but yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, just, I don't feel bad for him. No, no sympathy at all. I, I, I wish nothing but terrible outcomes on the court for them. I hope all bad things happen to you and only to you. <laughs> Agreed. <sighs> All right. Should we get out of here before we, mm. you know, go to a three three drink minimum? Uh, well, uh, I'm on my fourth, so yes, we should probably wrap it up. Okay. Well, then in that case, we will wrap it up. Uh, again, we we appreciate you uh, drowning your sorrows or rehabbing or whatever this was for you therapy session here on Crack Sidewalks here on Scrambled Eggs. Uh, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter. Twitter still existing. Shouts to Twitter. Great job. Yeah. Good still job. Wait. 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 Wait to hold out. Wait, 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 way to ride out the storm. Uh, on there, I am Joe McCann three. Phil is M O O O F twenty three. At Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You go to cracksidewalks.com. We post the podcast there, and also remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And there's also a Scrambled Eggs uh, Facebook page. All right, Phil. Uh, anything else? Nope. I think I've said everything that there is to say. Yeah, I, I actually have a work trip to Vegas this week, which oh, is why we're God. like wanting to get this. <laughs> May God have mercy on your soul. I don't think it's good news. Is is a work trip, so it's not like 
I'm going to have too many times for bad decisions, but who knows? Maybe I might, uh, if, I, if I have a good night at the tables, maybe I might sprinkle some of the winnings on that Marquette, uh, Mar- Marquette Big East. Uh, it, 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 what I'm hearing is there may be some Venmos from me to you coming up in the not-too-distant <laughs> future. Yeah, we'll just let you know. We'll just let me know. All right, that's it for this time. We'll see you next time, guys. Till then, seashells and balloons.